This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm right here in B-more outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. I'm about that. Big trust. Woo woo. What is the signal? It's just the, it's just the universal trust signal. That's the man. universal trust signal. Universal trust signal. When did it start? Man, Lamar, man, he just been saying trust, like you know, it's like kind of I'm with you, you know what I mean? And uh, I just put the kind of the big on it because we do everything big. So he'd be like trust, trust. I'd be like big trust. That's one of our favorites, Mark Ingram, now released by the Baltimore Ravens waived yesterday it's unusual for teams to waive players during this window because nothing can be done with those players until after the Super Bowl Chris I got a lot of Bills fans that have been clamoring with the question of whether or not they can add Mark Ingram to the roster right no nothing can happen until after the Super Bowl the waiver claims get processed after the Super Bowl and usually we see these moves made after the Super Bowl. There are different reasons why it would happen, and I've heard different theories. Ingram wanted it because he wants someone to claim his contract. No, nobody's going to claim a five million dollar contract for a running back on the wrong side of thirty. And also, Ingram was just one of several Ravens who have been waived in recent days. The idea is you score points with potential free agents by treating your players that you aren't going to bring back this way and letting them go as early as possible so they can plan their next move. So different reasons for doing it, unconventional, but maybe it's going to be the start of a new trend where when we see a team eliminated from the postseason, it'll just start waving guys that it knows it's not going to bring back the next year. Well, yeah, I I mean, it makes sense. And it it does make sense to get into, you know, the good graces of players and veterans to, to, to have that. That does spread throughout the league. You know, when it does come down to a guy maybe deciding between a team or two, man, he might fall back on, hey, Mark Ingram or... My other friend who played there, man, he said Baltimore treated him right and did him right, you know, in every which way uh, along the way. So uh, I guess but I was wondering the same thing. Why was this? What, what, what is this? This new trend of releasing players? But I, I, I guess that's it. There's no other reason behind it, is there? No. And it's just the Ravens, really, for it's the most them, part, who right. are doing it on a widespread basis. I saw a couple of other guys who were waived, yes. whether from injured reserve or whatever. But yeah, th- there's no benefit to any other team you cannot claim any of these players Mark Ingram RG3 anyone else it doesn't happen until after the Super Bowl but it does give them a full and fair opportunity beyond full and fair opportunity more than full opportunity for everyone to know they're going to be available not that we didn't know Mark Ingram was going to be available again the five million dollar salary he's disappeared from the rotation it was Gus Edwards J.K. Dobbins at the running back position and then Lamar Jackson contributing his skills as a runner, that three headed monster that rolled up 404 rushing yards against the Bengals at one point. That's why Mark Ingram isn't going to be there. And the moment they drafted JK Dobbins, we knew this was coming. I didn't expect Ingram's participation to drop so dramatically this past season, but we knew it was one more year for Ingram in Baltimore. And and I think he knew it too, Chris. I I think so. He's smart enough. He's been around. His dad played in the NFL, had that bad high ankle sprain early in the year, right? That really kind of set him back. And, you know, we, we, we never really, we saw him get back out there a few times in a few games. He did not look quite the same or as explosive. It looked like he was probably still dealing with that high ankle sprain, which can be really tough on running backs. But, then 
yeah, totally disappeared. One, because of what you said, they got two good other running backs. And then the other thing is, I think they realized, wait, we got two good other running backs and really a third in Justice Hill who's not that horrible. And then, wait, Mark Ingram getting up there in years, been in lots of car crashes, 31 years old, like you said. We play him a lot at the end of the year, and he gets a bad injury. Then we're on the hook for that $5 million bonus you're talking about and everything. And I think they just said, ah, the hell with it. We're not going to play him. We don't want to deal with it. We know where the future's going. He's a professional. He'll understand, and, you know, good for everybody. And we'll see where he lands. We mentioned this yesterday. This is something to keep in mind as we creep toward the start of the new league year on March 17, when we will find out what the salary cap will be for 2021. It will be no lower than $175 million. I'm told 180 is the number to keep an eye on. If it's 180 which would be almost $20 million less than it was in 2020, teams are going to have to do major surgery to their budgets. These teams have been constructed with the idea, Chris, that the salary cap goes up 5 to 10% sure. every year. You build that in. You don't budget for a 20% drop, for crying out loud, or 15% or whatever it is. Yeah, 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 you know who we mean. But it's a significant drop. You budget for growth. So what's going to happen is you're going to have guys who are making a crap load of money, almost had a different word. Sorry in advance for not – well, I didn't say it, so I shouldn't apologize. No, you don't need to. I, but I came dangerously – I can't tell you how close I came. But you have the guys who are making a lot of money, and then you've got and then you've got the rookies who have that fixed income, which is very affordable. It's that middle class that's going to suffer. It's Mark Ingram, who maybe last year, if he had hit the market at the outset, would have gotten three or four million. This year he's going to get the minimum if he gets that. Yeah, I mean, uh, yes, those guys, eight years and above – you know, maybe looking to, uh, you know, strike one more time for that third, second, third contract. Yeah, they're they're not necessarily in trouble, but they're in trouble in the fact that they're not going to get anything, you know, what the market has led for that type of player the last few years. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm between that, middle-class guys like you're talking with, with Mark Ingram or other veterans who are trying to find teams. Hey, somebody similar to me made $10 million a year. Well, this is a different year. You're going to have to settle for four, $5 million. Those are going to be tough decisions for some of these veterans to, to make or deal with. I mean, and then also too, Mike, I mean, how much do you think restructuring the top contracts on your team is going to come into play as we get closer and closer to having to deal with this? I think there will be plenty of that because you're going to kick the can into future years where there will be more cap space available. The TV deals still in progress, yeah. unlocking more money for the NFL and its teams and the salary caps. So it's going to be a challenge for a lot of these teams. And we don't yet have that on our radar screen because it's it's down the road a little bit. But these teams know what's coming and I, I think that, that that's possibly one of the messages the Ravens are trying to send by removing all of these various Band-Aids in one quick motion. We, we don't have time to worry about dumping guys that we already know we're going to dump. Let's just do it now while we're in a lull because we're going to have plenty of other stuff yeah, to, to deal out, with right. when February and March roll around. Uh, we got plenty of stuff to deal with this morning. The show is Pro Football Talk Live Hello. on Peacock, on Sirius XM 211, on NBCSN, Re-Air Edition, Sky Sports, Primetime Edition in the UK and in Ireland, and podcast wherever. However, whenever you choose to listen. But if you're going to listen on the podcast, try to do it within 24 hours because there's always another one coming and there's always news. There's always something new to discuss. There are always developments, Chris. And a development that I noticed yesterday just after we finished the show, Brett Favre, in a five-minute or so interview with TMZ, chiming in on the Patrick Mahomes situation. And Brett Favre adding a voice to this that I think helps bring into sharper focus the dilemma the NFL is facing. Now, on one hand, we see the indications that Patrick Mahomes will be fine come Sunday. That makes me a little uncomfortable when you see Shefty say the Chiefs are optimistic he's going to be good to go. The, the Chiefs should not be optimistic, pessimistic. They should be noistic about this. The team's responsibility when someone is in the concussion protocol is to have no opinion at all, so as to put no pressure on anyone to do anything 
Because as Brett Favre noted, what if Mahomes is cleared and he wakes up Friday with a headache? Is he going to say something to anyone? No, probably not. not. Yeah, but 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 if everything is rolling toward he's going to play, he's going to play, he's going to play. It's even more likely he's going to keep his mouth shut. So, I, I think Brett Favre has a valuable voice in this. He played almost all of his career in the days before anyone cared about concussions, in the days before there was a protocol, in the days before an independent neurologist decided whether or not and when you could come back. Three hundred and twenty-one straight games the vast majority of which were played before the NFL woke up to the dangers of head injuries. This guy played through concussions. This guy had concussions and came back and played in the same game. He's telling Patrick Mahomes, look, one of these days you're going to be in your 50s and you're going to have these worries if you allow yourself to return too quickly from a head injury. And that's what Brett Favre carries around. And, you know, the, the uproar, Chris, over over concussions that's that, and sometimes I think people overstate it because it sells because it's it's ooh, 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 well, all it's these sexy, guys right. who've had we don't talk right. about but, the other sports that have concussion problems just football right. right but here's what happens you have a bunch of guys who played for years in the NFL who are walking around fearful that they have a time bomb in their heads that's going to go off when they least expect it sure. that's what Brett Favre is dealing with every day that's what he doesn't want Patrick Mahomes or any of other players playing today to deal with and you know now that we've just kind of gotten desensitized to the whole concussion thing and 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 no one's retiring people are still playing football hasn't changed I still think that there's reason to understand Favre's message and to be careful and to be cautious and to make sure that a player truly is ready to return when he does return. I mean, yeah, I, I'm, I'm here. I hear you there. I do. I mean, he's a legend. Come on, this is Brett Favre. They don't make him any tougher, especially at the quarterback position. You know, all his consecutive game starts. It's it, to me, yeah, it's more impressive than a lot of these other quarterbacks that have had these big starts with the the physicality in which Brett Favre played. You know, Brett Favre took a lot of shots. Uh, that that's the one thing. Patrick Mahomes. You know, we're, we're not used to seeing him get hit, and he really hasn't been hit a lot during his career. He's great that way. You've mentioned it a lot, whether it's sliding in the pocket, fading away from blitzers. However, he's done a very good job of never having to take huge blows, maybe to the, the way Brett Favre had or did. Brett was a little bit more of, yeah, I'm going to stand in the pocket, and I'm going to wait, and okay, you're going to hit me in the air hole, and I might see three people when I get up, but I'm going to throw a laser 40 yards down the middle of the field, and it's going to change the game. And that was the style of play in which he played. Uh, he, he, is, he is the right voice in this whole conversation. There's no doubt. You know, but of course, you know, he brings up Friday. Hey, yeah, Brett, the guy's wired just like you. Yeah, he, he's, if he wakes up Friday with a headache – he wants to be great, just like you. He talks about it. We talk about it. Everybody talks about it. So th that's not going to like change with any really football players here going in the future. It's just how they're wired. And then, hey, Mike, I hear you with like the optimistic thing. You're right. They're, they're, it's a little slippery ice there, no doubt. But I also think they're viewing a guy who ran off the field, had a funny Twitter comment after the game, has probably been moving around and yelling and acting just like himself as always. So they're optimistic because of that. I, I don't think Andy Reid's trying to be a jerk or put pressure on the situation, even though I hear your point, and it does in a roundabout way, no doubt about that. And I think one of Favre's points is that when he played, this just wasn't even a consideration. Yeah, there was right. never a structure. There was never a protocol. It was always you just play. That's part of football. You get your bell rung. You, you you stay out there if you can, or you come out for a little bit. They do the ridiculous how many fingers. Everybody knows the right answer is two, and then you get back into the game. That's how it was. And I don't believe that Brett Favre would have behaved any differently if he was playing today and in his 20s. That's one of the things, and I'm not going to go down the concussion litigation rabbit hole, but one of the reasons why when people say, all oh, the players got screwed by this settlement. They could have gotten more. They should have taken it to trial. The one thing that would have doomed a trial is when you put these guys on the witness stand and you put them under oath and you start grilling them, if they are truthful and they would ultimately have no choice to be when being interrogated by a skilled and trained lawyer in the art of cross-examination, they eventually and inevitably will admit that even if they knew everything that they claim was withheld from them, 
they still would have played. Agreed. They still would have done it. They wouldn't have changed a damn thing. Yeah, be very that was going to be fatal right. to thousands of concussion claims. And look, I'm, I, I, folks, you know me by now. I'm not going to get on the horse and ride into battle defending the NFL on anything. I'm skeptical. That's what we're here for. We're not here to to shake pom-poms and be sycophants. There's another network you can find if you're interested in that. We are here to, to give you the truth and to speak truth to the power that is the National Football League. And the reality is, in this case, the NFL gave those players, via that huge concussion fund, something they would not have gotten yeah. in trial. They would have lost. Now, the NFL did it not for altruistic reasons. They did it because they didn't want the truth to come out about what they knew and when they knew it. Right. There's, there's a weird sort of symbiosis here that helps the players and helps the NFL by keeping it all secret. But that, that again... My point is, nobody yeah. in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, last decade or today is saying, I'm not playing football now that I know the risks. They're yeah. still playing. No, no way. No way. And, you know, and a lot of them knew the risk. You could say what you want. You know, I, I lived with a guy who played in the era. Uh, you know, I, he wasn't waking up in the morning going, you know what's going to make me feel better and extend my life? Reggie White and Jerome Brown smushing me this weekend. That'll... That'll make me better. It'll probably make me healthier future in my life. Come on. I didn't walk on the field and go, man, you know, Ray Lewis, you know, knocking me seven yards to the right is probably going to be a good thing for my health today. I'll, let, let me do that. That'll be fun. I mean, we all know what we signed up for to a degree. Yeah, okay, maybe those a lot of those old players didn't understand the magnitude of that, and I understand they were cheated with that, definitely. Um, the thing. Well, I, let me ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. I think I've probably asked you this before. You almost died right. playing in the National And I was Football ready League. to stay in there and make excuses and keep playing. Well, that, that's my point. Yeah. Uh, given everything that you went through, yeah. would you still do it again? Yeah, I would. I just know I would if you put me back in that moment as the same person. Or any, like, I just, it, everything, my competitive desire, I wanted to be a great quarterback. I wanted to have a great career. We were 0-2. It was a big football game. You know, there was talk about benching me and putting another guy in behind me. I just, all those factors and the fact that I wanted to play and win and be out there with my teammates, there was just, there was nothing you were going to do. The thought crossed my mind in the fourth quarter of the game that, man, am I bleeding internally? And I just said, yeah, screw it. I'm going out to play again. And it didn't matter. And that's just the way it is. Um, and that's stupid or whatever it is, but it's just the way a lot of the football players are wired ultimately. So, yeah, the stuff Brett Favre is saying now is predictable given his perspective, given his experience, given his age. It's not going to change anything when it comes to whether or not Patrick Mahomes wants to play or doesn't want to play. And, you know, Favre made a point that this will be a test for the NFL's protocol, yeah. but we're, we're not going to know right. if a mistake right. was made Either way. I didn't love way. that comment if, by him, that part of it. Yeah. Well, but, but, you know, look, and I've been trying to get a little transparency, get an idea of who's going to make the final decision here. I think it's fair for us to know. Right. Although I don't want to have some doctor flooded with a bunch of Chiefs fans this week or Bills fans, as the case may be. Bills fans saying, hey, you know, you better you better be careful. Hey, that's your – remember the Hippocratic Oath, <laughs> Dr. Brain. But uh, but but at the same time, you know, if you clear him and he looks fine, it's not like he's going to be wobbly out on the field like he was on Sunday. Right. He's fine now. Right. I mean, objectively, he's going to look fine. The question is what's going on inside of the skull. Sure. And, and even the best neurologist in the world isn't going to know with certainty. So I'll be stunned if he doesn't play. Agreed. Um, and and, and uh, that's just the way it, it's been. That's the way it goes. There was a time when it felt like if you got a concussion, if you were diagnosed, you missed a week. I think now that pendulum's gone the other way. Definitely. And and he's a quarterback, too. Whoever wonder, he or she is, well, is going to clear it. I just wonder if him playing quarterback, you know, too, is going to help him out. You know, it's different. It, it is a little bit of a – I know there is risk, of course, but there is less of risk with a quarterback. You know, we're seeing guys play to the 43 years old in the protection of the quarterbacks, and they're not banging their head play after play after play. So at least if he does play and there's those, those worries – it's not like it's a middle linebacker or some star defense end who, you know, is going to have to bang their head 40 and 50 times a game. 
this is a little different element too, and and maybe that gets taken into account as well. But but if you've got a head coach who isn't bashful about telling his quarterback to take off with the ball, and when you have a quarterback who isn't bashful about taking off with the ball, do you restrict your offense? Yeah. I mean, remember the play got injured on third and one. Yeah. He 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 ran to the right and he did a little fake like he was going to pitch it, and then he went same for the first down. Same play scored the touchdown and, and, on earlier. And and he got he got tackled by Mac Wilson. It's funny. Somebody sent me a link. There's a story out there. Mac Wilson gave Nick Chubb a concussion in practice with almost the same type of tackle, arm up around the neck, dragged down to the ground. This was back during training camp, but and Mac Wilson had to defend himself then for, for injuring his teammate, but you, you're putting the guy into harm's way. Yeah, That's what you're doing. So will you curtail your offensive approach knowing that Patrick Mahomes just had a concussion? That's going to be a real challenge for the Chiefs. I, I, I think so. I don't think you're going to see Patrick Mahomes out in the edge doing those type of things. Now, Andy Reid is famous for having these awesome little third and one, fourth and one type plays, right? I mean, think about the Super Bowl. He had guys doing the loop-de-loop and the swirl around and the dipsy-doo and Travis Kelsey playing wildcat quarterback. and do it. He's just going to come up with different ways. You're going to see it. Who knows? This week it might be Tyree Kill underneath center running the option down the right. You know, you just don't know. He'll find a way. But I do think it's safe to say to what you're saying, it won't be Mahomes this week. I, I think he'll be very careful with those type of things. Okay, that said, yeah. if we accept that, right? right? The guy that, that Andy Reid fired from the Eagles 10 years ago as defensive coordinator, Sean McDermott, how much of that does he factor into his game planning? Does he assume that Mahomes isn't going to run the ball? Does that change how they deploy the 11 guys? You got 11 guys, you can deploy them however you want. Yeah. If you take away one thing, something else is going to be open. Are they going to strategically decide to not worry about Mahomes running because they fear, Chiefs fear, another image, another incident, another concussion for Mahomes? Hey, and it's all fair at this point. Sure. I, if, if I'm the Bills... How do I not factor in the possibility that Mahomes won't run so now I can release my 11 guys in other directions and not worry about Mahomes running? I mean, th this creates another level to this 4D chess match, Chris. It, de it definitely does. I, I don't think knowing NFL coaches, guys like McDermott, all that, he's not going to take a chance. He's going to practice even that, that third and one play that he got a concussion last week because he'll probably be like, man, that's crazy Andy Reid. He just threw a fourth and one pass with a quarterback that didn't play. I mean, so who knows? He might he might still run the option with Patrick Mahomes, even though his you know brain is on cloud nine to a degree or whatever. They're going to be prepared for it. They're going to be prepared for all things uh, because I just you know you, you, that's the nature of a guy like Sean McDermott, Leslie Frazier. They, they go to bed at night thinking about did I prepare my guys for every little thing that possibly could happen and. I would imagine it's not going to change their approach a whole lot. But, I, yeah, I'm not talking about preparation. I'm talking yeah. about strategic deployment in of the your 11 yeah, guys you. in okay. a way that invites Patrick Mahomes to run. We're going to focus more on taking away the underneath sure. passes on third and short and fourth and short because we, we don't think he's going to run. We don't think Andy Reid's going to put this guy in harm's way. And that's the balance because what did Reid say after the game as it relates to the decision to go for it on fourth and short when the the – Chiefs were trying to milk the clock. He said there's no tomorrow. And that's true as it relates to this season. But for Patrick Mahomes yeah, there's lots of and tomorrow. his family, there are, there's lots of tomorrows. How do you strike that balance? And how much of Brett Favre's words are taken to heart not by Mahomes, but by Reed, right? Maybe sure. Andy Reed was the intended recipient of the message. If this guy's cleared to play and we expect him to play, don't take risks with his brain. Is Reed hearing that? Is Reed heeding that? That's my real point here, Chris. How much will we see a different Chiefs offense born of the fact that Andy Reed wants to keep Patrick Mahomes healthy, not to play football next week, but 30 years from now to play with his grandkids? Yeah, I, I, I to me, I don't think anything's going to change other than those type of plays. I don't think we're going to see goal line third and one runs you know, short yardage runs by him on the edge. But uh, as far as, hey, let's sprint him out and move the pocket, I don't think that's going to change. You know, hey, let's drop back and try to throw 30 and 40-yard, you know, pass patterns down the field. That's not going to change. And honestly, Mike, 
I, I just have a hard time. I don't think Mahomes is going to change. You know, you could figure out all you want about about like right all the quarterback design runs. That first third and nine, if somebody comes around the edge and he's got to step up and a lane presents itself, and now he's oh whoa I can run or throw and whoop the guy went back to coverage I got to run. He's going to run. He's not going to change. Again, Brett Favre, he's just like you. He wants to win. He wants to be great. He's ultra competitive. That's the way he is. And that, that's you know going to be the thing to watch for, where he's going to have to really protect himself. Because guys, of course, are going to be, it's Mahomes. It's the AFC Championship game. You got to hit the quarterback, like you said last year, during the AFC Championship game and do those type of things. And Careful. And I know. And... You know, when, don't drag me back into that I know, quagmire. I know. Well, please. and you know, hey, Devin's a guys. They're, they're they're crazy too. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. His head's hurt. Oh man. Oh, I just he was sliding, huh? Oh, I just oh, I tried to pull up. I just hit him by accident. That's gonna be something to watch for. The Mahomes mindset, as it was revealed to me when I spoke to him after one of the wins this year, and I'm scrambling to remember which game it was. He had a couple of interceptions, and then the Dolphins he, game. I want to say, I think you may be right, right. and and. You know, he said he changes nothing after he has an interception or two because when you start doing that, that's when you lose. So I think once he crosses that white line yeah. onto the field, his right. mindset is I play like I always play because once I start thinking, once I start restricting, once I start consciously limiting the tools I have available to me, that's when you lose. So if he's cleared to play, he's fully cleared to play. And maybe that makes him more determined to be damn sure that he's good to go because he doesn't want to cross the thick white line unless he knows yeah. with 100% certainty that he can play the way that he always does. Yeah, it could, could be. It, it could be. I, I mean, I would think he knows that he's, there's no governor once he goes out there to, to what you're saying. There's, there's not going to be. He's not going to change anything. Hey, maybe if he's in the open field, maybe he slides a step or two earlier than he normally would have in a week like this. But I, I feel like that's about the only adjustments that'll be made. Um, and listen, as much as we're talking about his concussion and all those type of things, I'm really intrigued, intrigued to see where that toe and foot is. That's going to be another thing for me to watch for. I just, and again, maybe he's fine and told, you know, I know they're trying to say it's not an issue and the concussion's more of an issue and all of that, but I, I got to see that. I am interested in it. This is a team that had a lot of pass protection issues at the end of the year his movement was key to them winning games. And that injury, just in my history around the league, playing everything like that, it's not something that just goes away after a few days. So I, I, his mobility will be something to keep an eye on on Sunday afternoon. He was clearly hobbled. He was clearly bothered. And we don't know. The concussion has been the ultimate yeah. diversion from this talk of, how swollen was the toe the next day? How much bigger is the cleat that he's got to wear this week to jam his foot into it? Because those things aren't exactly the most comfortable no. uh, items of footwear to cram your your feet and your toes into. So, yeah, that, and the, the, the injury reports will come out today for all four teams since all games are on Sunday this week. So it's Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We don't get a ton of information. They're far from perfect. We'll know whether he practices. And if he doesn't practice what his injuries are, or if he's limited what his injuries are, and it's going to say concussion and it's going to say toe, but will he? And that's it. See, if he doesn't practice due to the concussion, will he have been able to practice? Yeah, because of the toe. The we toe, won't we know. just we won't right. know. So right. it's going to be. I have a feeling that he's not going to practice much this week, and that the label that will be applied to him on Friday will be questionable, and then we'll find out on Sunday whether or not he plays. And because they don't travel. He'll be right up until 90 minutes before yeah. kickoff if there is any doubt about the toe or the concussion. Another guy to keep an eye on, day-to-day -day with a minor knee injury, Antonio Brown, the Buccaneers receiver. It was odd because he had the MRI on Monday. We didn't see anything about it until the next day. And anytime there's that kind of quiet, you think, well, there's, there's an issue. Apparently there isn't, or at least that's what the Buccaneers say, day-to-day minor knee injury that's not an official announcement that was leaked to NFL media so who knows there's a strategic component to this as well you want your opponent the Green Bay Packers to think they're going to see Antonio Brown maybe they won't maybe they will and we talked about this yesterday when you have Scotty Miller when you have Tyler Johnson who made that great twisting lunging catch on third and 11 on the drive right that ultimately put the Buccaneers ahead 23-20 Scotty Miller had a 29-yard catch on third and five on that same drive 
Those guys step right in. They step right up. And Tom Brady clearly trusts them in key moments. So it really doesn't matter if Brown can't play. Uh, I, they're, 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 I'm not like concerned about this injury and the effects on this game at all. Uh, that, that's just how I feel about it. Antonio Brown, yes, good player. There's no doubt about it. You know, yes, does he add to their weaponry when they're in shotgun and four we uh, wide? Certainly, yes. But like the difference between him and Scotty Miller is is not that great at this point anymore. So they'll be fine. And Mike, we saw the style of football they played on Sunday night. It, it doesn't lend itself to three and four wide receivers. I, they've gone to like screw you. We're going to smash your face and then we're going to drop back and we're going to throw a 20 yard completion off of that. I mean, that's, that's kind of the style of football they play. And that's going to be the big thing. I think this weekend with green Bay, we're going to talk about all these quarterback stuff and the passing and all of that. My, my biggest concern is can green Bay stop the Tampa Bay offensive line from just smashing them into the ground. They did it the first time Tampa Bay did it to the saints last week. And that's where it's all going to be about as far as that matchup uh, is, is, is concerned, in my opinion. I think the spark for the Tampa Bay offensive line came in the wild card round against the Washington front seven. Bruce yeah. Arian said after that game that they're the ones who took to heart right. that vow, that desire, that passion from Chase Young and his teammates to get after Tom Brady. So, look, teams get better all the time. And you don't just get better in November or December. You can get better in January, too. And this Tampa Bay offensive line has found a higher level of it achievement has. performance, and that's going to be a key come Sunday. All right, I'm proud to announce that we've gotten through 30 minutes of the program without making reference to the elephant in the room. I cannot guarantee that we will go the next 90 minutes without making reference to it. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. When we return, the NFL's elephant in the room, Deshaun Watson's status with the Houston Texans. Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about, Sims. <laughs> Deshaun Watson, another tweet with some song lyrics that, of course, have absolutely nothing to do whatsoever with the current status of his relationship with the Texans. We'll break it down when PFT Live continues right after Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What if millions of black Americans had been compensated for slavery? Join me, Tremaine Lee, as I explore the untold story of one of the only black Americans who ever was. I talk to his descendants and discuss how reparations forever change their family's trajectory and imagine a reality where reparations are paid to the rest of black America. Into America presents Uncounted Millions, The Power of Reparations, a Black History Month series. New episodes drop Thursdays. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. So here's the tweet that popped up yesterday. Out of the blue, like they often do, Deshaun Watson, I've been trying to have some patience. I told my mama she should pray on it. I joked when I wrote it up that maybe this is more song lyrics from Deshaun Watson. It is. It's from Codeine Crazy by Future. Oh. That was news to me, Chris. I wow. don't know about you, but that was definitely. I'm not in that age range. That's for damn sure. But uh, yes, Codeine Crazy by Future includes the the lyrics. And uh, I, I read the lyrics. Yeah. Very interesting lyrics, I'm sure. There, there, are, some, there are some lyrics that, uh, yeah, they, yes, uh, there are some lyrics. That, 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 well, song, Future, has, yes. that yes. song has some lyrics. I'll yes. just well, say that. Well, if we did that, we'd have to put multiple warning signs on for Sky Sports in <laughs> London. Like, uh. but, but, and, and look, you know, Inevitably, 
you're going to have people, when you make an issue out of this, say, oh, 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 harumph. This means nothing. He's just baloney, folks. This guy's smart. He knows what he's doing. He knows the context. He knows the relationship. He knows the focus. He just spent the day before telling his supporters not to march on the stadium where the Texans play. He knows that people are hanging on everything and anything he has to say about this because he hasn't said much. He's not going to put this out there if there isn't a meaning that's tied to how he's feeling. I'm trying to have some patience. I told my mama she should pray on it. And if he chose those specific lyrics and not others from Codeine Crazy by Future, In order to kind of tweak the Texans over this idea that Jack Easterby specifically sought out owner Cal McNair to prey on the question of who they should hire for GM, that's just, that's beautiful. Oh, I didn't think about that. If he's trolling them, it's beautiful, Like, you prayed on it, now I'm going to pray on it. You might be right. I didn't think of that, and I'm with you 100%. I mean, yes, this is a song lyric. It's a song lyric. He's cool. He's that age hip-hop era, everything like that, he found a song lyric that fit exactly what he wanted to say on Twitter to talk to his fans. Okay, so he did it a little different way than maybe the old-school people in the world would do it. But I didn't think of that last aspect. And you're right. This is a very intelligent young man. I would think that that is maybe intended as well as the little shot fired across the bow. Yeah, and uh, uh, maybe the prayers come out differently for Deshaun Watson and or his mother as they ponder uh, and seek guidance on what he should do. So I I really, really do think that uh, there's something more to this than just an inspiration from a song lyric that he happened to like and happened to think to tweet at that moment. I mean, I don't tweet anything haphazardly. I will tweet cryptic things, sometimes not cryptic, sometimes more cryptic, but there's always a reason for it. And it's fun to watch the people in the replies try to figure out what the hell I'm talking about. (laughs) Sometimes I'm not entirely sure, but I I know there's another meaning to it. I like actually when you send your cryptic tweets out there. A lot of people know you and your snarkiness, and they're onto it usually pretty quick, which is what I find funny. Top of next hour, what we're going to do is narrow down the list of potential Deshaun Watson destinations. Remember, he's got a no trade clause. So he's got a lot of control over where he goes next. Cause all he has to say is no, I don't want to be traded to this team, this team, this team at some point though, if he wants out, he's got to be reasonable. It can't just be one team. I think you have to give the Texans a chance to negotiate a fair trade. And if it's only one team, it's kind of hard to do a fair trade, especially yeah. if that team knows that, that the Texans are indeed looking to move on from Deshaun Watson. Right. Um, the, the Eagles continue their head coaching interviews Cowboys offensive coordinator Kellen Moore Colts offensive coordinator Nick Sirianni got interviews on Tuesday Dennis Allen the Saints defensive coordinator we were just saying the other day this guy can't get a sniff he's getting a sniff good from the Philadelphia Eagles he deserves it I'm not saying he deserves a job but at least talk to the guy their defense has been really good the past few years yes he's a former coach of the Raiders and don't hold that against him that he didn't survive in a pit of dysfunction right who could survive there yeah right so uh, people are yeah so uh, look at all the names and uh, you know, people continue to be fascinated by the possibility of Josh McDaniels taking the job. I had Tom Curran on PFTPM yesterday. And, you know, hey, how many more times is the window going to be open for McDaniels? Yeah, that's right. This could this could be it. This may be your opportunity to, to get a head coaching job because it may not be in the offing in New England. And you may not be getting offers like you used to if you stay there, assuming that they don't find another franchise quarterback, and who knows when that's going to happen. Yeah, no, I mean, who does know? It's great to see Dennis Allen, you know, like you said, get the interview. To me, that would be the type of guy, he's the same, you know, a little bit of the same version of Josh McDaniels. You know, yeah, okay, younger guy, but not real young. Had the job before, was in a messed up situation in a lot of ways, but understands how to put together an organization and a football team. Been a part of it there with Sean Payton, all of those things. That, that, to me, is the kind of guy I, I, I just, if I was running the Eagles, I would look at. I don't, you know, as much as, hey, Kellen Moore, hey, I know you're going to be in this conversation, and Nick Sirianni, you're the offensive genius guru guys. We're going to hear about your names next year and all that, I think, to continue here. But 
the, those those type of guys to me don't match up with like what Philadelphia is trying to do. Oh, let me get a young, inexperienced coach and now have to deal with all these issues on this team that even an experienced coach would have a hard time dealing with, and we're going to throw you in there, and then we're going to build for the future as we're doing it, and, man, you're going to get crapped on by the Philadelphia media and the fans all the time, and it's going to be great. Hope you can deal with it, young, inexperienced guy. That, to me, is where I don't see that. I could be wrong, and uh, but but I would rather have somebody been there, done that a little bit. There's two other dynamics here that I think may be at play. One is that you can pick brains of these guys. Yeah, so, right. hey, we know who we want, right? But why not take advantage of this opportunity to talk to all of these other guys, mm -hmm. and in the process of talking to these guys, we may pick some things up that will help us when we play the Saints or the Cowboys or the Colts or whoever in the future. That's a very real element to these job interviews, and Al Davis was the master at that. He talked to everybody because it was an opportunity to get information from anyone and everyone who thought they were interviewing for the job. Secondly, and I recall this happening, and my God, it's been 10 years ago, when the 49ers initially hired Trent Baalke as a GM and reportedly he'll be the new GM in Jacksonville, I, he won kind of like a contest of lightweights, frankly. I, I don't mean that he's the lightweight, but you interview other, other people and it makes him look good. Like maybe, these, uh, maybe the idea is they, they've already locked on to a Josh McDaniels or someone else. And it looks like they've done their due diligence and, right. and this guy stands out because yeah. look at all these other guys we talked to. Right. It's not just we locked onto one guy. We've talked to all these people and this guy's clearly our best choice. Yeah, I, I don't think that's a crazy thought. I, I think more than anything, though, your first thought is probably more to the truth. You know, the stealing of information. Yes, we get to know that on certain teams. You know, the other thing is just, hey, Oh, this is how you guys did this. So, whoa, whoa, that's interesting. Let me let me write that down. We could probably apply to that to our front office. It's 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 it is. It's the stealing of information in totality about how teams prepare, how their draft boards, whatever. It, all set up. They're going to try to steal these ideas, certainly, but they're going to do their homework here. They got a very rare, crazy situation, and they need to take time to listen to coaches, figure out who's the right guy for the situation. And probably ultimately listen to the guy who has the best plan or plan of attack to help them get out of where they are right now. Um, and I, like I like I said yesterday, I think Josh McDaniels would be the perfect guy for that job. It it, it just uh, I was on WIP yesterday afternoon with John Marks and Ike Reese, and and I tried to be somewhat restrained in my expression of opinions, but I I said in probably more tactful language, what I've said here. Who the hell in their right mind would want that job right now? Who wants to walk into that? I used my line that winning the championship was like a taste of some highly addictive drug, and now they want more, and it's it's harder right. to operate in that environment with a trophy in the lobby. It's not easier. Uh, and I just, all the different factors, all the different things stirring around, Thank you, but I'll wait till next year. That continues to be my position. Well, and and it could be that for McDaniels, there is no next year. Maybe he knows this is his chance. This is the Indiana Jones slide under the door, reach back and grab your hat. Because otherwise, if you don't do it now, you're never getting through that, I, that door. I, well, I, I, I think that's right. But I mean, to me, the, the whole list is like that. I feel like every coach on there has got a little bit of a like a, well, I don't know. Todd Bowles, you've, you've gotten it once. Here, Do you want again? Dennis Allen, it was, we had it once. It wasn't that great. Do you want it again? You know, hey, Kellen Moore, you know, Nick Sirianni, nobody else is really interested in you, so you're pretty desperate to want this, huh? Yeah, I mean, I feel like the whole list is that type of guy, really, where they have no other option, and they're going to look at it and go, wait, do I want to deal with this? This might be my only option, or I go back to my old job. Uh, I don't know. I just That's the sense I get. Well, I was told over the weekend that there's no timetable, but don't be surprised if it happens this week. So there's no timetable, but don't be surprised if it <laughs> happens this week. There are two left, Eagles, Texans, and yucky, yucky. both. <laughs> just <laughs> wait. Just stay. do the Brian Dayball and stay where you are. All right, stay where you are because we're going to be back with more PFT Live. The Hall of Fame class of 2021 – was determined yesterday. They are somehow going to keep that under wraps for the next two and a half weeks. Good luck with that. We'll talk about who we think should make it in when PFT Live continues right after this.
Mike Chappell will open the discussion for Peyton Manning. And I know he's been waiting for this all his life. Uh, I'll just say Peyton Manning. I would drop my uh, I would drop my laptop, but I'm not going to do that. So just pretend that you see me dropping the mic. End of discussion. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Unless there's anybody who wants to say anything on Peyton Manning, uh, we'll move on. Anyone? Mike, thanks for that presentation. I wish they all were that short. Good job. Some would say that the Hall of Fame should consist only of those individuals, of the ones where you need no discussion. I hear you. I hear you. That you shouldn't have to, if you have to debate it for two hours, the person shouldn't be in. I think it's gotten a little loose. That that cuts against the, I've, I've become jaded in my advancing age. It's a museum that they want people to go visit, right? And they want to have a big event. They want to have a big celebration every year. So you have to have new busts. You have to have five, six, seven, eight new busts every year to justify the party that injects all this money into Canton as people come to town. And the more who get in, the more parties held in Canton, the more families come to Canton, the more fans come to Canton. It's a business, folks. It's that's just what it is. It's a museum that be, that turns Canton into the center place of the sports universe for a day or two every August. So it can't just be the no brainers. Unfortunately, it should be. It should just be okay. Peyton Manning, yeah. Tom Brady, yeah. Aaron Rodgers, yeah. But the problem is, you'd have one guy most years. Some years you wouldn't even have a ceremony. Right. There wouldn't be anybody who meets that bar. Yeah, you're probably right. It would be hard. I I, I would think, you know, I, one thing I don't like is the minimum number. That That's the one thing, I guess. I, I, I mean, what, why can't we have a year of two or three guys get in? Something like that. I just explained it. I know. It's a business. But I, to me, it does take away from you know, the, the great aura of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it, it does. And I don't want it to get watered down. I mean, I know it has no, you know, direct affiliation with the NFL, but it's still very special in the grand scheme of football and everything like that. And uh, I just, I worry about that. I do. That's just, it's I, I, too many guys I worry about the, I worry about the dumbest things because I will have been dead for hundreds of years before it ever becomes a problem. But if you keep putting in five a year, Eventually, you're gonna have so many busts. What the hell are you gonna do with them? Well, what's gonna what be gonna so special about going to the museum? Going, who the hell are all these guys, and where the hell's the guy I wanted to see, and all that? I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, those are things I think about too. I, I, I mean, what, what was the the, the the comment that Josh Allen made to you the other day about there was a guy named Mickey Mantle? Like, I, you know, I mean, the world keeps spinning, right? And people are gonna forget. You have new generations. That's not part of their experience. It's not part of their knowledge. That's not a name they're aware of. So, I, I, I look, I, I get it. I understand why they do it. They want people to go to the museum. At some point, they're going to need a big-ass museum to fit all those busts. But, again, neither you nor I will be around to have to worry about that. That's going to be somebody else's problem no. way down the road. But, but, all right, with this group right here, like, first off, the, the guys that are just locks, like you're, we're going to talk about, right, that we just go, okay, they're Hall of Famers. That's it. You're talking – I mean, that's Peyton Manning, right? That's Charles Woodson for me. It's those two for sure as slam dunks. Like, yes, so you're in. Calvin Johnson, probably the next guy no. on there. It's, no, it's not close. first ballot. Didn't play long enough to be first ballot. Okay, okay. I, 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 can, I, can't, I can't justify that. first ballot. Okay, I, I can hear that. I don't know if I totally agree with it. I understand the argument. It is a nine-year career, okay? And it was like, whoa, we got to change our defense with this guy on the football field. Now, the next guys, it, this is a tough one. You know, I, I'm, of course, biased to guys like Rondé Barber, who I saw in person and saw all the great things he could do within that Tampa defense, the Tampa 2 defense, how awesome, versatile, no weakness to his game. I love him. Of course, I'm going to sing his praises big time. The other guy on there, just from as a fan and somebody I look at, it, Alan Fanica, come on. It's one of the greatest guards of all time. Somebody's got to put him in. I know he's an old lineman. It's got to happen at some point. Richard Seymour, I'm going to piggyback off of Brady, though. That's the next one. Like, hey, everybody out there, have you guys watched Calais Campbell the last 10 years of the NFL career? You know, do you guys know Calais? Everybody's slam dunk, all of it. Richard Seymour is Calais Campbell before that. 
you know, and before we put notice on guys who mess up plays and ruin plays that don't get stats but are ruining plays and other people are getting the tackles, that, that for me, you're talking about one of the great teams in the history of the NFL and the best player on that defense or the two best were Ty Law, Richard Seymour, okay, and they just, you know, the, Seymour deserves to be in. That's one I would stump for hard. You're speaking to one of the big challenges for the voters, which is all different shapes and sizes and types of football players thrown into the same bucket. And some guys can get overlooked when they don't have the dazzling statistics, when they don't have that obvious set of credentials that would get them in. And there is a certain order that the voters try to impose on it. I remember, and I can't remember who it was, but there was an offensive lineman who got in one year And I asked a voter, why did he get in? And the response was, there's so many other great players coming up in the next four or five years. If he doesn't get in now, he's never getting in. Right. To me, that's not a reason to put him in. That's not a whole – exactly right. I agree. That's that's, that's politics. That's bull crap. Uh, Then that's the problem with this process a little in general is there's some players and people and it gets political and they get, you know, newspaper people and other media members to get behind them to push their own narrative. And a lot, and we've seen it works. It sways people to, to, to make it happen, whatever. So uh, that is something that, you know, has to be balanced within this conversation. I, I said at the moment, Eli Manning retired the campaign to get Eli in the hall of fame led by Peyton and Archie already has begun. And if you think it hasn't, you're naive. And he's getting in eventually. Maybe not first ballot, but he's getting in because his name's Manning and because of his accomplishments. But if it was any other name, it would be on the fence. Very right? on the fence. Maybe Right. But he's getting in because of his name and because he's going to have the weight of his brother Peyton pushing those voters I to would vote bet for him. So that too. Is a very re- right. That's a very real element here. It's one of the reasons why I want nothing to do with it, frankly. They don't want anything to do with me, so it's easier for me to say this. I don't want anything to do with that process. Uh, because um, I would end up pissing everyone off. Sorry, London. Okay, we're going to take a break. We still have an hour of PFD Live still to come. I love him. We're going to try to figure out the Deshaun Watson destinations. Where are the reasonable spots that he could land? Sorry, Jets fans. He's not coming to New York. Where could he go? We'll be back with that right after this. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 